1: everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the geek buddies
2: we're
1: coming to you on a friday morning as we're recording this so really excited to talk about all the things going on in the week of geekery we got a lot going on for sure we got a bunch of trailers to talk about we got some muppets Rebirth, uh, rebooting, requel, resuscitation happening with Muppets Mayhem. Uh, We're also going to get into a new segment uh, where we're just going to talk about a bunch of topics. A lot of things were going on, and I'm calling it Roka's Rapid Fire. That's what I'm calling it. So we'll see if it works. We'll see if it doesn't work, but we're going to play around with it. So we're messing... We're messing with the thing, but I'm going to be working on a video for Shannon's trailer park and for something for Michael as well. So some segments that we can mess around with on the show. I've been thinking about it, so I've got uh, I've got some editing software. I got Final Cut Pro for for three months as a trial offer so i'm gonna mess around with shit and see what we come up this
3: with. is this is gonna get this is, yeah we're gonna call this the geek buddies it's their era of exploration as roca <laughs> learns uh editing and uh final cut and we're gonna we're gonna try yeah. some things yeah i think we're gonna see some things that don't work but you know what failing so what? is part of the learning process and i think we're gonna get there i think we're gonna get there
2: I can, I, can i have a can I can I give a suggestion for Vogel's uh, title segment? No. <laughs> sure,
3: sure. No. Please, no. Vogel's very Vogel's very cold bucket of water. <laughs> oh, Vogel's bucket of water. Little Mister Grumpy Pants out there that uh, after every time we see a movie, you're like, mm, it was all right, it was okay. I was upset about this. I didn't think this actor in Star Wars belonged there. Yeah, like, give me the cold water, buddy. Wow, that's a Vogel's very good impersonations. <laughs>
1: Vogel's impersonations. I just want to figure out if I can do a buggy with Shannon's face turning to a smiling as it's bopping down into a trailer park. That's, what I, that's my goal to somehow create that if I can do that. But, you know, anyway, just throwing things out there. But let's introduce ourselves for those of you who might be new to our show. I am the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies.
3: I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies and former boss of Shannon McClung's writing. Um, but I think that after this week's Geek Buddies, that might be changing.
2: and this is shannon mcclung (laughs) i'm a television actor and former animation writer (laughs) where you can see some of uh, some of my best work headed up by the best boss on netflix right now (laughs) with strawberry shortcake barry in the big city seasons one and two is there going to be a season three without me we'll see (laughs) uh yeah so we got a lot to get
1: into here as i mentioned and just want to remind you all hey one of the big things we love about you all is how uh interactive you are with our show and uh one of the big things i always hit on at the end of the episode is for you all to subscribe to the channel where i'm going to hit it a couple of times throughout the episode because i want to really encourage you all to subscribe to the channel we're doing geek buddy stuff we're playing around with stuff we've got more stuff coming up certainly this has been a little bit of a break we've been taking when we were inundated with a lot of things we were doing and then, uh, you know, things are going to start kicking up already in, in June, July, and what have you. And all of us, they're coming down with all these series, all these shows, everything. So you don't want to miss when we're going to be dropping shows. So you want to subscribe to the channel and hit that bell button. Also, the Geek Buddies are their own podcast. So you should subscribe to the podcast as well. And we have moved over. We're very, very happy to announce that we are. Ha- oh, Michael, do you want to announce this? Do you want to do this? No, do you go for this? it, go for it. We have, uh, after negotiations with the fine folks over at Realm, uh, I think Realm FM, we have moved over to Realm, and we are now officially being carried by the Realm Podcast Network. They mostly focus on awesome fiction and nonfiction stuff, but they've opened the door to more of these talking head type of shows. And they reached out to us after um, a number of conversations. We are really impressed with their pitch. So we've officially moved off Spreaker, AKA iHeartRadio and moved over to Realm. And we're excited to see what the next year is going to bring to us working with Realm. Any uh, uh, Gentlemen, any thoughts on any of that that you'd like to uh, add on to what I've just said?
3: I know there's like if you go check out uh, Realm, they uh, have a lot of amazing, awesome, geeky uh, podcasts for you to listen to. Lots of really fun sci fi and fantasy fiction. So uh, we thought it was a good fit and we're really excited to be over there and we're excited to bring them our brand of geeky goodness as we talk about all of the geekiest stuff of the week. (laughs) Shit. Anything
1: more to add to that eloquent uh, statement there from Mr. Vogel?
2: Uh, You know, we we had a we had a delightful conversation. We feel like this is going to be a good match, and uh, for all of you Orphan Black fans out there, which there are several of you, I imagine. There's actually some more stories in the Orphan Black universe on the on Realm as well, so head over and check that out. Yeah, go check them out today. Um, all right. Well, the way the show works, uh, as you all know, each of us picks a
1: geek news item and we talk about it amongst ourselves. And usually we'll take a break uh, after the last geek news item and we'll jump into a massive conversation. But this week we're going to play around with something called Roka's Rapid Fire because these two gentlemen, <laughs> I love these guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pew, pew, pew. I love these guys and their approaches to things. So I'm going to toss out a bunch of topics. To get their initial reactions to things. And I've only warned them of a few of them, and the other ones I haven't told them about. So we'll see how they react to it. But uh, Mr. McClung, I think you're starting us off today.
2: Yeah. Flash forward one month when there's a graphic of me in a, in a buggy uh, uh, bouncing on by saying trailers, trailers, trailers. We get our uh, second look at two this trailers. Son of a bitch just said it would take me a month to do it. Oh, you know what? It'll be done by next week. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. look at that lit a fire inadvertently lit a fire under you (laughs) we're gonna start off with our second look at mission impossible dead reckoning part one so that first trailer that came out about a year ago with uh with top gun and so a year later which that first trailer got such a huge response um a year later we get the second trailer and it seems like just as big a response um we get more from uh our uh from our new cast members that include uh isai morales <laughs> i think i just said morales weird because I, <laughs> I was flipped isai morales uh uh Haley at- uh Haley atwood am i i'm just
3: at wow. are you are you drunk i uh,
2: you know i got so caught up with the image of me in a buggy <laughs> that i can't <laughs> talk right now um we get a new trailer and it looked really, really cool. We you know, they're r- still really highlighting that enormous stunt of Tom Cruise jumping a dirt bike uh, uh, into into a, uh, into skydiving. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this trailer just looks super, super cool. Now, as we've discussed many times, I think this is probably a little more me and Vogel. Um, we get out of Mission Impossible trailers being like, man, that was awesome. I don't know what the hell happened, <laughs> but, but, but what a fun ride. And this certainly promises uh, promises to be that, uh, you know, there was actually an interview with Christopher McQuarrie and they were specifically talking about Isai Morales's character, how originally that was supposed to be Nicholas Holt and with scheduling conflicts, Isai, Isai Morales came in to, to fill the void. And Isai Morales, a much older actor than Nicholas Holt, but this yeah. gave them a chance to explore um, Ethan Hunt's past because Ethan Hunt was you know did was around he hasn't been with imf forever so isai morales might be the key to unlocking some of ethan hunt's path but i'll throw it over to you gentlemen what did you all think of our second look at mission impossible dead reckoning part one i loved it um great stuff
1: you know i did i woke up that morning as soon as i saw it at six fifteen in the morning i, was like, ah, I better react to this one because i I want to see what's here and i want to see it purely and i really enjoyed it and as you uh bring up here shannon isai morales what a fantastic actor You know, we have the the fight scene on the train, which looks so awesome between these two guys. And don't forget... These are guys that both made their bones in the 80s, right? Still doing it this late in life in 2023, both of them. And as a Latino guy, Isai's not really known for being in feature films currently, right? Certainly in the 80s with Bad Boy, with the original Bad Boys, with, uh, with uh, La Bamba and other things. But Isai's mostly been television, NYPD Blue and other things. So to see him like uh, kind of stepping up and becoming the main henchman or the main second in command, I'm sure there's a bigger villain in all of this is going to be interesting. And as you said, Shannon, he might be the key to unlock things. And certainly we hear Kitridge in this trailer going, it's going to cost you, you know, all of that. So you hear this going on. Shea Wiggum is a part of this as well. So what a fantastic actor. Great second season of Perry Mason. He was so damn good in that again. So we've got a great bevy of of actors coming to be a part of this. And oh, yes, there's also awesome stunts that we're seeing throughout this trailer. And the number one thing is, what you two gentlemen feel when you come out of the movie, I don't know what this is all about. I don't know what this is all about. And McQuarrie has said in a number of interviews, you're not going to know much about the plot before you walk through the door. So it's a gutsy, ballsy decision to go in this direction, but clearly they've got enough goodwill that people that the, they trust the fans are going to come uh, and be, know that they're in good hands with McQuarrie and Tom Cruise. And throughout this trailer, we certainly feel that way. And there's nothing from Haley Atwell. So I think she is going to be super important to all of this because they're not even letting her talk at all in the trailer, so fascinating stuff. Uh, Mikey, what'd you think?
3: Yeah, look, I mean, as Shannon mentioned, and we've said this kind of every time that we've talked Mission Impossible, like, I don't really know, like, I'm not deep in the Mission Impossible universe. I can't break down what happens in every single one of these movies. I barely remember. But watching this trailer, I'm going to talk about the other side of it, which is When we get to some of our bigger universes, we can talk a lot about Marvel Phase Five, we can talk about Star Wars and the TV shows and the movies, and sometimes we're really happy and sometimes we're really disappointed. Right. And with Mission Impossible, I can't say that I've ever been really disappointed. So as much as I might not remember all of the plot stuff, uh, Tom Cruise and the Mission Impossible team have continued to deliver really, really strong, fun movies that just wow us every time with what tom cruise is doing he gets older and older like mission impossible 42 (laughs) when he is doing the stunt in his wheelchair where he flies off of a train in his wheelchair and pops a wheelie i'm gonna be there i'm gonna be in i'm ready so i uh you know like there's an excitement to mission impossible but also there's just a it's like a steak and potatoes movie (laughs) Like it's not, it's not going to like, I'm not going to come out and go, oh my God, that was the greatest story. But although this one has me interested, like this one has me intrigued. I mean, for all the reasons that you said, Haley Atwell, she will always big Peggy Carter for me, but she is amazing. Like she's a great actress. And to your point, they're keeping a lot of this under wraps. They're keeping her character under wraps. So I know that I'm going to be wowed. I know that I'm going to sit in that theater and go, I can't believe Tom Cruise at his age is doing these stunts, but I'm interested and especially with some of the things we're hearing about some of the other big movies that we're excited about this summer maybe not delivering. Yeah, I think this one's gonna deliver. So I'm all in. Yeah.
1: Well this is a a shot of uh, Mission Possible 42, that's the poster there. So uh, <laughs> that's when, when will we will be going to see
2: him there in Mission Possible. <laughs> well, true. and another thing about Isai Morales, like if anybody watched Titans on HBO Max, um, oh, yes. you know, the, the, that show, the show is a bit of a mixed bag, but you cannot deny he has delivered, for me at least, the the ultimate deathstroke. I mean, his his Slade Wilson, he just had this incredible quiet menace uh, yeah. and, and getting to see his his sort of return to, 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 you know, to, to big screen, to the big screen. I I think that's really, really exciting. And also uh, someone else that is in the movie that we only see a brief shot of with Shea Wiggum is Greg Davis, who was in Top Gun Maverick, who played Coyote. Right,
1: right, right, And
2: uh, to me, this speaks, this is uh, one of the reasons I do like Tom Cruise is, you know, he, he, he works with people when he has a good relationship with them. He wants to keep working with them. Yeah. Um, You know, Nicholas Holt. Uh, was up for the rooster role. Ultimately, didn't get it. Um, he was apparently, according to an interview with Nicholas Holt, he was offered the role in Mission Impossible, which by Tom Cruise, like Tom yeah. Cruise, like, hey, come on over, and it yeah. just didn't work out. But the fact that Tom Cruise is trying to find a project to work with him on, and the fact that you know he going through the flight training that all of the cast did for Maverick, and how uh, Tom Cruise has has developed a a bit of a a kinship with with Greg Davis. I'm like, man, that's awesome that he's using the same people over and over and over again. Um, But yeah, hopefully we'll get to find out (laughs) what Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is about when it comes out just in a couple of months, July 12th. Yeah. Gotcha. so that brings us to our next trailer this one is called the creator now this one kind of came out of nowhere for me at least mm-hmm. um this is from uh gareth uh gareth edwards uh who directed uh you know the godzilla the the big reboot of godzilla that kicked off the monster universe uh directed rogue one um written by chris whites and gareth edwards in which you know chris whites uh wrote one of the drafts of rogue one with yeah. gareth uh And this one looks super cool. John David Washington leading the cast here. Um, But it's essentially what happens when AI takes over. I mean, and such a uh, prescient release in in the wake of everything that's kind of happening right now with the with the um, proliferation of AI and how it could possibly affect our world moving forward. Um, This is takes more of a terminator scenario um but visually this movie just looks uh looks really really incredible um gareth edwards like despite what actually happened on rogue one um with uh, gilroy coming in at the end but um visually you know you can't deny that this movie looks looks huge um i think this one looks pretty cool you know it's also has uh jimma chan in it uh ken watanabe uh the movie just looks really, really interesting, but I'll throw it over to you, gentlemen. What did you think of our first look at the creator? Mike, what did you think?
3: um well, in- yeah interestingly what i loved about the trailer is that it uh it does it feels like the anti-terminator to me a little bit mm. um like yes yeah, like it's all about ai you know robots become sentient what happens next like humans versus robots like there's all those elements are there yeah. but uh the ai in this movie doesn't look like it's just skynet out to kill us and wipe us off the face of the planet like this looks a lot more um like it's exploring a lot of those like classic sci-fi issues that we all struggle with which is if and when robots become sentient then they are people and how are we going to deal with that and you know terminator deals with the robots want to wipe us out and yeah. look, like, no, all respect to terminator it's gotten miles and miles and miles out of that story since james cameron first uh brought arnie to the arnie to the screen <laughs> but this kind of looks like it's dealing with a lot more um Of a moral and ethical dilemma. And some of the shots of these AI characters, I mean, just the design of these AI characters with the human faces, seeing them sort of building their own culture, being in their own spaces and what this means and like the struggle of like, who's right, who's wrong, who's good, who's bad. That looks really, really interesting. I mean, I'm with Shannon. This trailer kind of came out a little bit of nowhere of nowhere for me as well. But, uh, you know, I was getting texts from like five or six different people be like, dude, have you seen this trailer yet? Have you seen this trailer yet? And so based on the trailer, it definitely has that vibe of like, oh, this is something new. This is something we haven't seen before. Um, you know, this isn't tied to any of our big franchises. It's its own thing. And just the art direction, the style, the look of it, it feels really, really unique. So... Uh, this went from something that wasn't on my radar at all to, oh, when does this come out? I can't wait to go see it.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating because, I mean, I think Gareth Edwards is a little hard done by the whole Rogue One story. I think a little bit, you know, and um, I love Rogue One. as my second favorite Star Wars film behind Empire Strikes Back. So I like Gareth and I like the 2015 Godzilla. I really did. A lot of people said, oh, why'd you wait so long to see the Godzilla? No, I enjoyed it. I like that it took it took its time. He's certainly a certain kind of filmmaker. Who, who can interest you if he works for you and, and take you through this journey and then eventually show you what he needs to show you. And I appreciate that. Alex Garland has very similar approaches to his stuff. He's just more, you know, more like cool or artistic, so people kind of give him more credit. But I like that Gareth has that element to his work. So this trailer, like Shannon, like you, Michael, I didn't know too much about this, and I wouldn't have even watched it or done a reaction to it, which it did on the channel, unless uh, uh, if it wasn't for a couple of people commenting on Mission Impossible to my reaction, saying, "Dude, you got to watch the creator," and I was like, oh, "Okay," and I took a look at this thing and was blown away by it. Now, it does have shades of. You know, you see, it feels like a little bit of Looper. It feels like a little bit of Blade Runner. It feels like a little bit of Terminator, as we've said before. It has shades of sci-fi stuff we've seen before, but it's very much doing its own thing. And I appreciate that because at this point, it's really hard not to be influenced by other sci-fi stuff because we've had decades of sci-fi stuff that have come down so uh, I like that Gareth has kind of created his own thing even though he may be sampling something it's no different than hearing a song that's sampled using another sample you can still create a damn good song I mean ask a number of people that have been doing that lately and so I like that you would get this but the story itself is about this kid right it's got a looper vibe to it what is the deal with the kid and, and clearly he lost his wife because Gemma Chan is his wife in the synopsis it says he lost his wife so did he lose his wife to the robots is he going to have to come to terms with what happened here and see the ugly side of humanity and the ugly side of the robots and try to find a way to maybe bring them together and of sort of clearly a story that fits with our times going on politically all over the world how do we bring people together who are so diametrically opposed to each other and certainly that scene with all those robot bodies being pushed in by Uh, bulldozers, I immediately had Holocaust vibes from that, and it really unsettled me in the trailer. So this is clearly going to be a dark, old-school sci-fi film that's going to have something topical to say, as all great sci-fi does, about our current situation. So I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I've heard from a couple of people who saw it at early screenings already that it's actually damn good, according to uh, my friend Jeff. So I hope that's true. We shall see.
2: Well and I think that the advantage that Gareth Edwards will have here is he does not have all of the IP bosses to right. answer yes. to with this. Right. It's not it's not a, a Star Wars, it's not, you know, a big it's not a big monster movie based on a pre-existing IP. So I'm I'm hoping that this means he has a little more freedom to do to tell the story that he wants to tell. And we will all find out on September 29th when the creator comes out. And that brings us to our last trailer, our second look at Haunted Mansion. Now, I don't know how this movie is going to turn out, but I just know these trailers are a lot of fun. You know, this one is coming from Justin Simeon, starring Rosario Dawson, uh, Danny DeVito, Lakeith Stanfield, Owen Wilson, Jared uh, Leto as the Hatbox Ghost, who based off the trailers, it's starting to seem like maybe the Hatbox Ghost is our bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this just looks like a lot of fun. I mean, I, despite being an enormous coward when it comes to scary entertainment, Um, I love a fun haunted house story and, you know, getting the getting the classic haunted mansion theme from the ride in the Disney parks at the end as they're as they're talking to uh, Hassan Minaj about this, uh, you know, this this ghost. um, This just seems like it has the potential to be a big blast. I mean, really starting to remind me a little bit of. You know, summer 03 when Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one came out. Uh, but gentlemen, I'll throw it over to you. Why don't we, why don't we go to Mikey first as our, as our Disney lover? What do you think of our second look at the Haunted Mansion?
3: Well, to your, you know, you don't know how this movie is going to turn out, but I can guarantee you it's going to be better than the Eddie Murphy version. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be good. But it can't be worse. Uh, No, this looks, you know, the first trailer was super fun. This looks even more fun. This looks, here's what I will say about it. Whether the movie ends up being a good movie or not, this is a movie where the creative team understands the IP. Hmm. And I think, you know, like, and it's because when you're talking about these theme park rides, there is a level of IP to this. And I think that... Uh, you know, with the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, particularly that first one, Black Pearl, like they understood what was great about the ride and they understood how to expand upon that. And I think with the Eddie Murphy version back in the day, it sort of was like, okay, here's like, here's the hitchhiking ghosts. Here's Madame Leota. But it like, it didn't have the right feel to it. And this seems to have that right vibe. I mean, what's great about Haunted Mansion as a ride is when you're a kid uh, when you ride it, you think you're on something that's pretty scary. Like you get older and you realize it's maybe not as scary as you thought, but like it's scary, but it's fun. Like one of the things that's interesting, if you watch the Imagineering documentary on Disney Plus, is they couldn't actually decide when they designed this ride originally if it was going to be a scary ride or a funny ride. And they kind of split it down the middle. So they had like two different teams working. And the first team was like, we're going to make a scary thing. So for the first half of the ride, until you get to Madame Leota, it's pretty creepy. You know, there's ghosts. They're trying to get at you, whatever. And then as soon as you get to the big ballroom with the dancing ghosts, it turns pretty silly. And you get to the graveyard and everyone's singing Grim and Ghost. So this movie seems to have this thing where it looks a little creepy. The hatbox ghost does look like it's the bad guy. But it's also like a bunch of really comedic actors doing really, really funny stuff. And so... Based on these two trailers, I'm very excited about this one. Um, knowing Disney's track record for their live action remakes of animated movies and their uh, adaptations of theme park rides, it could go either way. But uh, this has me more um, this has me more cautiously optimistic than I would normally think that I would be about a haunted mansion movie.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I like this trailer better than the first trailer. I will say this, and I think what you nailed it, Michael. They they clearly understood what it is that people like about the Haunted Mansion ride, and it is this combination of serious horror with comedy thrown in as well. And somehow, they found a way to make it work. Not that there aren't elements of comedy and horror. I think in every great horror, there are moments to have a little bit of a laugh just to break the tension. Uh, But this one clearly has uh it, it weaved in with the disney aspect of it all much more humor to it so in this uh trailer we got to see some really great visuals i mean the whole thing about the the door spinning and all yeah. the hallway spinning rather what does that mean but but you know you you can go this dark and you can go super dark if you but if you populate it with comedic actors like owen wilson and even like stanfield who has done comedy in the past along with drama Works. I mean, he's great in Atlanta. He's really w- worth it to be a part of this. Danny DeVito is great as well. And so you have all that. Even that, uh, was it, um, uh, I can't forget, the. I can't remember the actor's name, but the one who's drawing the thing, he was just hosting the Daily Show for a week, but the one who's drawing the thing, him turning around and it's the actual ghost that they're talking about was genius. I mean, the water stuff, you know, all of that feels very real. And even Rosario Dawson is just kind of peppered throughout. It's the kid that's going to be the focus. So I think that's really smart. And, uh, and having Tiffany Haddish in there, really funny, seeing her bounding down the stairs in the chair. So there's a lot of humor to it, but there's also enough darkness to be like, okay, this could actually be a Pirates of the Caribbean that gets the essence of the the experience right and expands on it a little bit more yep. to make it appeal to a mainstream audience. So, yeah.
2: I'm that down. was actually my thought too, Johnny. When, when the rating came up that it was PG-13, it was like, oh, okay, so this is – this this has the this has all the dressings of a, a of a family friendly movie and, the, right. and just because it's PG-13 doesn't mean it's not family friendly but you add that extra you go from a PG to a PG-13 it's like all right there there are some higher stakes here um mm-hmm. than than yeah. i'm the, again the vibe that i was getting <laughs> that we got yeah, from yeah, um, yeah, Eddie Murphy's yeah yeah oh sorry good. i thought I, I thought you all were going to reply
3: <laughs> no 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 but I, I i think you make a good point it's yeah. uh and look, this is gonna it, it. There's a thing that happens with big companies like Disney when you want to make these family friendly things, but you want that all ages aspect. And I think everyone gets really nervous with all ages stuff that you need to make sure that it's safe or that it's appropriate for the youngest audience, but history has shown, I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean is the perfect example. Like that's a movie that definitely elevated the Pirates franchise to a whole other level. And it was because they allowed it to be a little bit older, a little bit scarier, not too much. Like maybe your young, young kids are going to be a little bit scared of the pirates, but you can jump on board. But like you want to capture the widest audience possible. And I think what happens a lot of times with all ages stuff is they get so concerned about the younger age aspect of it that they sort of, you know, make something that's not as enjoyable to older kids or adults. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it looks like with this one, they might have they might have cracked it. We'll see uh, when it comes out. Yeah, Which
2: will be July 28th. All right. There we go. All right. Well,
1: let's take a quick break and we're going to jump in to some more stuff. Uh Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service, they're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture.
2: That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind the scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any. arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of The Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench.
1: Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harrington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse.
2: Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertips. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the art accessible. Wherever you are. And
1: we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marky TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents with the code BUDDIES. B-U-D-D-I-E-S. Simply visit Marquee.tv and use the promo code BUDDIES to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. Get three months for just 99 cents. Visit Marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now.
2: Use code BUDDIES. Explore the extensive library of performances on Marquee TV today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at Marquee TV on social media.
0: and how he rose from nothing to become New York's king of the egg cream.
2: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Uh, from the world of Geekery uh, right after this.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, all right, Mr. Vogel, take it away. All right, well, I am very excited to say that the Muppets are back on Disney+. Uh, oh, yeah. Muppets Mayhem uh, has premiered on Disney+. Plus. It's been up there uh, for about a week. And uh, it, as we were saying earlier, it focuses on the Electric Mayhem. Uh, so the Muppets Mayhem follows former house band of the Muppets Electric Mayhem, headed by, by Dr. Teeth, Janice, Zoot, Floyd, Pepper, and Animal – Uh, as they all attempt to uh, record their first album. So it's great. Uh, Look, Disney has owned the Muppets for a while now, um, and the Muppets have had, you know, an interesting past couple years or even decades Mm -hmm. the muppets have been huge since we were kids the muppet show on tv was a huge huge hit the muppet movies muppet movie muppet caper muppets take manhattan all big big popular hit movies um with the death of jim henson the muppets got a little bit more spotty um they definitely had some high points like muppet christmas carol um, but they definitely had some low points like Muppets in Space. So uh, it's always been kind of hard to capture that magic of the Muppets. And uh, even with like the the Office-style series that they had on ABC, Muppets Now on Disney+, Plus. there's been a lot of attempts to sort of revitalize the Muppets, and like I said, it's been met with uh, varying levels of success. Um, but based on the reviews, Muppets uh, Mayhem is definitely the higher end of things. So it has a gain of 76 approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes which is Ooh. just below 80% that was achieved by Muppets Most Wanted in 2014. Um it all it that puts it up with the same score as like Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppets Take Manhattan. Um and it's also managed to land a near perfect 97% approval rate from audiences on Rotten Tomatoes. So wow. this is huge and having watched the show I will tell you that if you are a Muppets fan This is the thing after years and years of waiting that finally feels like the Muppets. Uh, And much like we were saying about Haunted Mansion, I think a big part of that is Jim Henson back in the day created this show that was, you know, a talking frog, a talking pig or whatever Gonzo is. And it was funny and it was weird And it was family friendly, but it also had these, uh, you know, shades of more adult humor, a little bit of pathos. It got a little sad sometimes, like these were fully fledged characters. And I think throughout the years, as Disney and other people have tried to sort of figure out the Muppets, they always kind of aged them down. And Muppets Mayhem does not do that. Muppets Mayhem treats these like full-fledged characters. And by focusing on just the mayhem, it's really allowed them to sort of focus on these characters. Uh, Adam F. Goldberg, who uh, is running the show, said, you know, this is just about the band specifically. We don't have that deep bench of characters like when you do the Muppet Wizard of Oz or Muppet Treasure Island or Christmas Carol. You could tell this giant story with the hundreds of characters that the Muppets have, but we're telling a very small story about the band and where they've been and where they're going. It's about the band and it doesn't have that tone of a variety show that Muppets have. So feels like something totally different. I know Shannon's been checking it out. I think John hasn't seen it yet. But what do you nope. guys think about Muppets Mayhem on Disney Plus and uh, the Muppets kind of maybe finding their footing after years of uh, shuffling?
2: I mean, yeah. the Muppets property has always been a well of untapped potential. Um, anytime you go to a Disney park that has the Muppets attraction, the Muppets in 3D, um, that attraction really to me really nails the Muppets because it it is sweet. It is funny. Um, I have never seen anyone leave that attraction without a smile on their face. It is just so, so much fun. And you look at the attempts to try to get it. I think on the surface, the mockumentary style show for ABC as a concept, like, boy, that seems like it, that should have, that could have worked. That should have worked. And it just, for whatever reason, it just didn't quite get there. Um, My wife is a huge Muppets fan and we didn't get past, I think episode two of the Muppets now. And again, the Muppets has always been more her thing, but growing up as a child of the eighties, I mean, I remember being in the theater for the great Muppet caper and the Muppets take Manhattan. Um, This show tapping into these characters who have always been there but they've never been given sort of their their time in the spotlight. That was absolutely the way to go. Having um, Adam Goldberg, who you know again a lover of the '80s, creator of the Goldbergs, um, having him uh, kind of at the helm, it it has really turned into a show that is a lot of fun to watch. And we watch. I, I want to say we watched the first two. And it was like, oh, this is funny, and we deliberately slowed down Ooh. because Disney Plus, in a move that is not normal for them, I think they dropped all the episodes at once, uh, Netflix style. So it's like, all right, let's let's make this last as long as we can, and spacing them out has been has been a, a lot of fun. Like we literally close we close our. Uh, our evening of TV viewing with an episode of the Muppets. And it's just so much fun giving, giving the spotlight to characters individually. You know, you get a great animal episode, you get a great Floyd episode, you get a great uh, Janice episode, Uh, even, even lips who was, you know, the the last member of the electric mayhem to be added. Um, Yeah. The show is just a lot of fun. And again, it just taps into that. It's got that wry humor, but it also has that sweetness as well.
1: Yeah, I don't know what I can add because I haven't watched it. So, but uh, I this sounds great. You know, I'm a big fan of the mayhem. Always been a big fan of the band since the since the move, <laughs> since the first movie, and certainly I grew up watching them when they were on TV and whatever. And I remember them being on Saturday Night Live. That's how long yeah. I, I go with the Muppets. And so, and I and I tried to watch the ABC show. It was more like put it on and mess around on the internet while it's yep. on type of viewing. And I know the Jason Segel and Amy Adams is fine. I mean, in my Man or a Muppet is a cool song. and But it didn't 100% hook me back in. I thought the sequel was a little bit better, certainly with Tina Fey and others being a part of it. So, I, But I love the Muppets, and I've always loved the Muppets. And I think the reason I watched the ABC show was like, come on, let's capture that magic again. That we enjoyed. And so to hear that there's that magic coming back in this makes me very, very excited because clearly I've been burnt by giving it too many chances, which is why I wasn't rushing to watch this one. But hearing you guys talking about it so positively is absolutely going to get me to watch it probably this weekend, just to kind of sample a few episodes and see what I got going on. The lady's going out of town. So, you know, it's me and my underwear eating chips. So
3: I'll be watching this thing. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. There <laughs> yeah, you go. Yeah, you know, I much. mean,
1: God damn
3: it johnny we talked no, about we'll this fall in the house for a weekend you anyway, know go ahead yeah go ahead Sorry. no we talked we talked about this when we did our picard reviews i mean part Ooh. of being a geek is when you really love something you kind of stick they're your team you stick yeah, with them yeah. through thick and thin and with the muppets there's and shannon nailed it like with whether it be the abc show or muppets now there's definitely those things where you watch a muppet thing and you go I still love the Muppets, but that, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll defend this, I guess, but it's like, yeah, you know, it, it didn't quite get there for me, but there was that little spark or that one joke or that one fun character that you're like, well, that, that part was good. Um, and so, yeah, it is kind of a joy. Shannon's hundred percent, right. I did it. I did it last night. It ended my night. I was watching, uh, I was watching silo on apple plus I watched Ted Lasso. And then I was like, you know what, before I go to bed, I'm going to watch one more mayhem. And it's a great way to end the day. So it's, it's as a geek, You have those moments, and Star Trek fans just live through it with Picard Season 3, where you get something that is the thing that you love, and it has the right creative team behind it, and it's firing on all cylinders, and the Muppets mayhem on Disney Plus is, for the Muppets, what Picard Season 3 on Paramount Plus was for Star Trek fans. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, all right. Talk me into it. I'll definitely give it a shot for sure um all right let's take uh, another quick break here oh no wait Uh, so there's 10 episodes are they half an hour each how long are they about 20 minutes each about yeah about a half hour okay all right cool well uh let's uh take a quick break and then we'll jump into the new segment of the show and hopefully shannon will have unmuted his mic by that point and uh we'll be right back after this
2: (laughs) yeah i unmuted
3: uh sorry shannon Shannon mcclung is just the ed mcmahon of the geek buddies with that laugh isn't he (laughs) (laughs) there it is you are correct sir
2: um um all right let's get into it (laughs) okay OK, for all of our for all of our podcast listeners, a graphic came up of an Old West showdown that said Roka's
3: rapid fire. Oh, God, we're in. We're in. We're in for some we're in for some interesting graphical goodness in the next few weeks. aren't we? I, I couldn't
1: find a song, but I was going to do the. A... Anyway, all right, uh, let's get into things. The first thing I want to ask you guys um, and Michael made me think of it just now with, the, with uh, his last comment about Muppet Mayhem. I asked you guys this last week, and a lot of people kind of commented positively uh, down below in the comment section that they enjoyed hearing what you guys are watching or what we're watching. So just want to ask you guys real quick before we start the rapid fire. What are you all watching right now, Michael? You mentioned Silo. You mentioned Ted Lasso. Is there any? What would you say about Silo? And we don't have to make it a five-minute review. Just like, yeah. what are you watching right now? And what are you excited about that you're watching that you enjoy? This? You know,
3: uh, yeah, Silo. You know, definitely a big, uh, big, big new release on Apple Plus. It. I had read the book that it's based on, oh, and okay. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. Uh, it didn't blow me out of the water, but I thought it was a good, fun, enjoyable concept. And so I was curious. Silo is pretty exciting. Uh, it's definitely kind of a, a thing that you haven't quite seen before in the world of sci-fi. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson killing it in the show, really great stacked cast and just an interesting world of these people that have been living in the silo that goes, you know, uh, hundreds of stories up and down and they don't know why they're living in there. They don't know what happened. It's just this is their society. Uh, And it's been interesting. I watched the first three episodes of it and I thought it was. I'll stick with it for now. It was, it was interesting enough. It was a uh, fun enough concept. And like I said, I read the book, so I'm more inclined to check it out, but definitely check it out. Let us know what you think about that. You know, we were just talking about this beforehand. I'm definitely watching season three of Ted Lasso. I don't think it quite has the magic of seasons one and two, but it has little, it has its peaks. Okay. Like, it'll, I'll kind, of, you'll kind of be going along, and you'll be like, ah, it feels like it's not quite where it was. And then they'll have this, like, really great, heartfelt moment. And you're like, yep, yeah, you got me. I'm in for next week. So that's been good. You know, as we've been saying, obviously, we're all watching Succession and yeah. freaking out about it every night, uh, every Sunday night as we watch it. Um, other than that, what have I been watching? I've been playing a lot of Jedi Survivor. That's what's okay. been going on. I've been, I've been kind of in a whole Star Wars thing uh, this week. I've been playing Jedi Survivor which I'm having an absolute blast playing. It's a wonderful follow-up to Jedi Fallen Order, while at the same time reading Cataclysm, the latest High Republic book, which is very intense. And at the same time, I have been listening um, on Audible, to the original Timothy Zahn books, Heir oh, to the Empire, Empire, Dark yeah. Force Rising, and I'm now on The Last Command. Just oh. with uh, you know, with all the rumors, we all know that Thrawn is coming back. We all know he's gonna be in the Ahsoka series. We right. know that Filoni is doing this big movie. Lots of rumors that they're gonna be pulling a lot of things potentially from Heir of the Empire and sort of reinterpreting it into this big epic event that Filoni has teased happening between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. So I figured I hadn't really uh, revisited the Timothy Zahn books since they came out and I've been re-listening to them which has been an absolute blast I I actually highly recommend I kind of when Disney bought Lucasfilm and they kind of you know shoved all the Star Wars novels and comics into that Legends era yeah kind of felt like well okay let's leave that all behind it's not canon anymore and I gotta say revisiting those books has been an absolute blast uh so I, I actually really highly recommend that too
1: Okay, fair point, uh, uh, Shannon. What are you watching?
2: What are you into right now? So definitely Muppets Mayhem, um, yeah. Silo. I had stopped about twenty minutes in because, uh, like, my uh, this is one of those shows. I'm like, ooh, my, you know, my wife might really like this. Um, she had her shot. I finished the first episode this morning <laughs> because we we just we just couldn't get to it. So, but I finished the first okay. episode, and where that one ends, I mean, it's 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 really it's really strong. Like, it really has me. Really has me uh, curious to the the mystery that has been that has been set up. Um, also, a show that I was watching on Netflix is The Diplomat with Kerry uh, oh, Russell, Russell and Rufus Sewell. And the show started like I'm only about four episodes in, but the show started. and It's like you know, Kerry Russell, Rufus Sewell. These are these are both you know really really good actors. Yeah. Um, the the premise of the show I think is a little a uh, little uh, uh, difficult to believe at times, um, but. By the end of the show, by the end of that first episode, there's a, there's a thing that happens, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to get through. And the more you get in, like it do, it has a very wry, wry sense of humor as well. And yeah. so that one, I'm um, I'm definitely interested in. Um, Ted Lasso, I I I, I am still watching it as well. Mm. I, I'm not quite where Vogel is. I, I I do still think for the most part they are turning out um a, a very sweet show. Like I, yeah. I do agree that. Is it where season one was? No. Um, You kind of get the sense that they know, like, we're racing to a finish line here. So it is a little choppy. It's, I think, you know, looking at all of the individual stories, like the individual characters have some really great stories. It would have been great if you could have interwoven them a little bit more because you will finish one supporting character story in one episode and then you don't see them in the next episode. So it feels kind of like a hard stop. Um, But... What you're getting is still to me, it's just so sweet and hopeful and optimistic. So I'm still I'm still very much on the Ted Lasso train, but I think it's probably going to finish when it needs to finish. Um, And we just started the great season three. So this is a Hulu series with Nicholas Holt and Elle Fanning. It's about uh, it's a very absurdist take on uh, Catherine the Great's reign in Russia and Nicholas Holt as an actor. Uh, hearing the big roles that he has been close to getting in the past, mm-hmm. um, knowing that there's another potential one on the horizon. It's just like, God, he's re- he is really, really funny. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked him in Renfield, even though I, I wanted the movie to be better. I thought he was really good. He was good. Um, so I'm curious to see him to be able to stretch his legs a little bit because he's mm-hmm. always had sort of an aw shucks, uh, aw, you know, th- kind of a G Wiz whiz aspect to him, almost kind of like a, like a classic Clark Kent um, yeah. in the great, he does get to be a little bit more of a bastard, um, but he's still very, very funny. So I'm curious to see what it's going to look like if he does get to go full bad guy.
1: Right. Right. And certainly they're looking at him as we're going to talk about, uh, in Superman, they're looking at him possibly for Lex Luthor. So that could be a really interesting thing. You might get what you want there, Shannon. We're going to get into it in just a little bit. Um, as for me, uh, I watched Little Mermaid at a screening earlier this week. I can't do a full review from it, but I can tell you I loved it. And that's all I can tell you. I loved it. I am gonna. I did my reaction online. We're going to see. We're going to see. I went in with my arms folded. was like, oh, man, that two hours of this. Uh, it's going to be like a kid's thing. I don't know if I can handle it. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Really surprising stuff. So I, I, that's all I can say. Fast X is out today. I saw that. Eh, go for the action sequences. Everything else is a waste of time. But Jason Momoa steals the movie. Jason Momoa is the other. The, the action sequences, Jason Momoa. These are the two things to go see that movie for. Momoa takes Heath Ledger's Joker, turns it up to 15, and goes into the wacky territory. And it's incredible. So I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, you know, get him off of Aquaman and get him to do. I mean, I think he's working out Lobo stuff in this movie. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm mean, for anybody's going to go see it. So um, as for TV stuff, uh, High Desert is out now on Apple TV+. Plus. I can't recommend this enough. Patricia Arquette uh, is fantastic in this show. Everybody in this show is fantastic. And shout out to our friend, uh, Michael Andrew Baker, who has a who has a uh, scene in the show, which is really great. But like everybody involved in the show is very very funny, and it is an unusual type of show. Once again, from Ben Stiller, who just did Severance. So you know this is a show you should definitely look at, uh, watch on Apple TV. And so don't be surprised if you binge it in a weekend. It is that good of a show, to be honest with you. Um, as far as the British stuff, uh, we just finished season three of Guilt. For those of you who are maybe our international people, watch that. A great Scottish show. It's the third season. I think it's the final season and it was fantastic. Happy Valley season 3 comes out on May 22nd here in the states. Incredible uh season 3 there uh with a uh, possibly a future James Bond who plays the villain in that show. So uh, that's the stuff we've been watching and I will say this, I finally started reading Last Ronin and I'm ripping through Last Ronin, sitting here and enjoying that uh for sure so I can't wait to finish because yeah, I'm halfway through right now and really, really enjoying it. So, And I have Jedi Survivor, which I haven't even cracked yet. So I've got to open that up and play it this weekend for at some point. Um, all right. Anyway, let's get into the rapid-fire stuff here. All right. Number one thing here that I want to jump into. Eddie Murphy is apparently up for playing the Pink Panther. He is circling a reboot uh, here for MGM and Amazon. Of course, the original series was created by Blake Edwards. It was played by Peter Sellers uh, with fame. And then the Steve Martin one actually – worked financially i don't think it worked that any of these films were good but now eddie murphy is coming back i mean on the heels of doing beverly hills cop four on the heels of doing coming to america 2 um he is jumping in to play inspector clouseau and having the conversation about all of this but gentlemen i mean is does this excite you in any way shape or form and the rumor and it's by the guy who the director who did sonic so the rumor is that pink the pink panther the actual animated Pink Panther will be a part of this just like Sonic was a part of this with human and animated interactions. So does that feel like it could be an interesting reboot or does this feel like, oh, my God, no, please, God. What do you guys think?
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't have enough invested in the Pink Panther <laughs> to be like, no, don't do it. <laughs> um, You know, the, the Pink Panther in the Seller's movies was a di- was a, a jewel. It was great, um, yeah. It, and then the, the the cartoon with the actual pink panther came after that. Right, so right. if if there's a world where uh Eddie Murphy's playing Clouseau and he's chasing after an animated pink panther, I mean, Eddie Murphy's funny. Like yes. like it, not all of his movies turn out the best. Um but anything that has Eddie Murphy in it, I I won't I won't shut it shut it down yeah. right away. Like I will absolutely watch and see And if it does look like it's not going to be great, I I probably won't see it. But if it looks funny, I mean, I just watched again recently his comedians in cars getting coffee episode with Jerry Seinfeld. Eddie Murphy's a funny guy. So if if it looks good, I would certainly give it a shot. I want my edgy Eddie back.
1: Uh, All right, Michael, what do you think? Do Do you like the idea or does this feel like a bad idea?
3: Uh, it doesn't feel like a bad idea, but it doesn't feel like a good. I, here's here's the thing that the the Pink Panther being in it actually is the first thing that makes me a little bit interested. I think mm-hmm. that in general, audiences today look. There was a time where that whole like clueless detective. Uh, whether it be Detective Clouseau, whether it be Get Smart, like, there was all of these things where, like, the, the clueless detective, Inspector Gadget, the clueless detective stumbling through and kind of solving the case, even though they were a moron, was very funny back in the day for people. And I think in today's audience, that's just not as, that, that kind of humor. Like, we actually want our people, our, our, our heroes to be a little bit more, um heroic uh, comedic but like Star-Lord's a great example like star Lord's and Guardians like he's very funny he's a little bit clueless but like he kind of has something there in there that gets in there in the end and so the idea of Pink Panther as a brand doesn't excite me the idea of Eddie Murphy chasing like Shannon said a CG Pink Panther and bringing the animated Pink Panther which was always over here into the Pink Panther mythology (laughs) maybe maybe who knows we'll see maybe all right, all
1: right. Uh, let's move on to some other news that came in, and I, I think I have to uh, kind of bring this up, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny uh, previewed at Con, and uh, the reactions have been real interesting. It's here. Are it's sitting right now at forty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which is a jump up from the thirty three percent it was at last night. Um, here are the people who liked it. Uh, Vulture Magazine liked it. Awards Watch liked it. Apparently, Teresa Lacks and a Collider liked it. Uh, Matt Negley at Next Picture liked it. Slash Film liked it. But here are the people that didn't like it. Variety, Hollywood Reporter, uh, The Playlist, uh, The Daily Beast uh, didn't like it. Times UK, Vanity Fair, IndieWire, and The Daily Telegraph with The Guardian, The Independent, and Empire Magazine liking it along with the London Evening Standard. So, Uh, Some of the comments have been, um, you know, this is uh, the positive is a lot of uh, I saw one people, one person say that they think it's uh, Harrison Ford's best performance of his career. Other people saying this is a return to form. Certainly um, Clayton over Clayton Davis over at uh, at Variety said it's a it's a masterpiece and a great throw ride. But then other people have said it's going through its motions. It's boring. Some of the comedy doesn't work. And our friend uh, uh, Gabay had, a, had chimed in with a comment from his friend who watched it and called it a quote slog. So, uh, what do we think of these first reactions for Indie Five? Does this feel like it's going to be a divisive movie, but not as bad as Crystal Skull, or, or, or maybe people? Uh, or is this going to be another thing where the fans are going to go after the critics for not liking it as much as they do?
3: Shannon. <laughs> How, How are you feeling, feeling Shannon? Shannon?
1: How are you feeling, Indiana Jones guy, Shannon?
2: Well, this this was this was always the risk of mm. going back to that well after uh, you know substandard fourth entry. Um, you know, there are you know there are times that you know uh, a movie gets released based on a based on an IP like Aquaman. Like yeah. you know, I'm a huge Aquaman fan. Um, I was happy that we got an Aquaman movie, even though the movie wasn't that great um in terms of this it's it's really hard because the character is so near and dear to my heart that anything less than last crusade raiders of the lost ark anything less than that seems like ah, oh, why'd you do it um but we'll see i mean maybe maybe the nostalgia and the sort of bittersweet farewell that Harrison Ford is getting with the character. Maybe that will win me over. I did watch that little clip that there's a a chase in like the two motor scooters. Um, It did not blow me away. Um, The marketing team, obviously they're not going to give away all the, they're not, they're not going to give away all the, all the good stuff, but the fact that that's what they chose, I'm like, eh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I've always been cautiously optimistic about it. Now I'm just cautious.
1: Okay. All right, Michael, your thoughts on this, uh, and do you think Kathleen Kennedy made a mistake bringing this to Ken, considering the reactions? Um,
3: I don't know. Look, I'm personally, I'm kind of glad this happened. Okay. I mean, like, I be, I mean, to be clear, I would have been much happier had it premiered and we were just reporting that everybody was like knocked their socks off and was going crazy the right. way that we talk about the Flash movie, right. but. When, with Indiana Jones, I'm kind of glad that this has tempered expectations a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's just so much uh, for people who love the Indiana Jones franchise who grew up in the 80s. Like, there's just there's just so much love. There's so much nostalgia. There's so much. I want this to be a certain thing that I'm kind of glad I'm going in, going okay. This right. might not be this um i don't see how it could be as bad as crystal skull and i've seen some of these reviews that don't like the movie all of a sudden sort of saying that crystal skull was misunderstood and fans had their hopes up but they actually were doing interesting things and i'm like no 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 i love spielberg as much as anybody crystal skull is a bad movie it's not an interesting movie it wasn't a movie that fans turned on because they subverted the character it's a bad movie Sometimes um, movies are bad. Why
1: is that? St- why is that an issue? I don't understand. Anyway. So
3: I'm happy that this happened because I'm going in, as Shannon said, more cautious. Mm. Um, but we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe I'll be one of the ones that comes out and be like, "Look, this was this wasn't Last Crusade, but it it was a solid Indiana Jones movie." Or maybe I'll come out and go, "Well, okay, I'm glad that that was the end of it." Yeah, I don't know, yeah. but but i I feel like I'm going in. With tempered expectations, which might mean that I'm pleasantly surprised, or I might come out and just go, okay, well, there it was. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point.
1: Yeah. I, I'm in that boat. Uh I just want to enjoy the film. I don't want to go, I don't I don't have to be blown away. Just want to enjoy it. Seeing indie one more time and having fun with everybody one more time and see what it's all about. And, and I, hopefully the story works. Yeah.
3: I will say I'm still excited. Like 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 my excitement for an Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford in it, uh, I don't I don't think it can be tempered. Like like this 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 concerns me, and I'm like, okay, maybe it's not going to be what I hoped that it would be. But just seeing Harrison Ford play Indy, still, uh, I'm I'm still excited for the movie to come out. Although I'm a little bit, uh, like I said, cautious.
1: Yeah, also also they said it was a lukewarm standing. What's a lukewarm standing ovation? Is it like,
3: yeah. I mean they, I they basically so. they said you know it like because like when it first came out like somebody texted shannon and i and they're like five minute standing ovation for indie, and we're like yeah <laughs> and then like you started reading more and they were like it was a little tepid like a five a five minute standing ovation at Cannes after a film is kind of like well yeah that's what you do you're there at a big film festival you stand up and the entire cast and crew and the producers are all there so you stand up and you clap for them because that's what you do but it was it was more like okay that was nice let's uh let's go here. get some drinks thank you harrison <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, yeah that's kind of my guess is that yeah. it's it's it was a five minute standing o for the career of harrison ford yeah versus probably. maybe a five minute standing o for the movie and maybe that's why they gave him the award ahead
1: of time like i uh, take this because we're happier here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. out of um, yeah let's move on to this uh schwarzenegger uh who is out here promoting fubar which is out on netflix uh, which I have not watched it. I don't know if I'm going to watch, it. maybe um, he was uh, being interviewed here on Hollywood reporter uh, and uh, was having an uh, interview conversation with him and uh, Terminator came up and he said, Uh, The franchise is not done. I'm done. I got the message loud and clear that the world wants to move on with a different theme when it comes to The Terminator. Someone has to come up with a great idea. The Terminator was largely responsible for my success, so I always look at it very fondly. The first three movies were great. Number four, Salvation, I was not in because I was governor. Then five and six didn't close the deal as far as I'm concerned. We knew that ahead of time because they were just not well written. Well, that's kind of a thing to reveal arnold right at the end there i like dark fate fuck um so me too shannon i go to you then first uh, your thoughts here you hear arnie possibly saying he's done do, a do you believe him and b do you want to believe him because you do think he should be done with the franchise?
2: yeah yeah i uh, you, you put it away i mean <laughs> like you know you you, you we would have liked <laughs> we would have liked to have had that 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 nice farewell to the character with, with schwarzenegger in the role but you know dark fate as much as I did, I did really enjoy dark fate. I also uh, acknowledge the issues that it had and that maybe it, it did need one more, one more pass of the script because I feel like a lot of it is really, really solid, but yeah, he's, he's an older guy. You know, the whole thing is he's supposed to be a killing machine. Um, uh, you know, we've, we've seen these older actors return to the role roles from their younger years and the results have been, have been mixed. Um, yeah. I think, I think it is a absolute, Absolutely. It's a smart move for him to say goodbye to that character in terms of the franchise not being dead. I don't know if you have the franchise without him. Um, you know, I thought the Sarah Connor Chronicles was actually a really good show. Yeah. Um, but it didn't connect. I mean, it, it did not find its audience because I think for the most part, people hear Terminator, they think Schwarzenegger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Young Lena Headey and uh, Summer Glau being a part of that uh Chronicles. Yeah. Uh, uh, Michael, your thoughts on this? I mean, uh, w- you know, we just had the uh, Star Trek. Oh, sorry, we had Picard season three, and they still use Brent Spiner to play to play the doctor who created Data and created uh, uh, Laura and all of this. So, like, it, could they go all the way? And could they make it that it's Schwarzenegger, who's the scientist who created the Terminator? Could they be, or do you think it's done? Let it be done, for God's sakes. and and get away from us because we saw Prey, which was a great kind of re-entry into the Predator franchise. Do you think that's uh, what should start to happen now and Arnie being moved out?
3: Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't think anybody's going to believe Arnold Schwarzenegger playing the scientist that built the Terminators anytime (laughs) soon. So I don't, uh, I'm going to respectfully say we're going to pass on that pitch.
2: You're saying when he played a scientist in Batman and Robin, that was the issue with that movie? You didn't believe he was a scientist?
3: That was the one. <laughs> that was the one issue with Batman and Robin. I, everything else was gold. What um, is X squared? What is X squared? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, <laughs> I think that um, <laughs> I think that Dark Fate. I I, I think Dark Fate was decent. I, I liked what it tried to do. To use to use the Scream terminology, they were aiming to be the requel. Yeah, that true, was going to sort of revitalize the franchise and they sort of set it up to be here's the direction that we're going to go in now. I don't think it quite got there by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um I think it had a lot of good potential, a lot of good ideas, didn't quite uh didn't quite stick that landing. But I think that yes, it is time for Arnold to say goodbye to the Terminator. And as far as the franchise goes, I think that there's still gold in those hills, but I think it needs a big big idea to reboot it i I think that skynet like the and this happens with any time travel movie but like skynet sending terminators back and us knowing about it and us trying to do the whole thing and cyberdyne systems like they they've they've tapped that well so we need a really big idea to sort of revitalize it and you know as we said when the trailer with when we were talking about the trailer for the creator like in the era of ai that we're living in I think the idea of the Terminator franchise is probably um, a little bit closer to home and a little bit more real than it was in the 80s. So I think that there's still a lot of really fun ways you could take it. But um, as we were saying with the creator trailer, maybe it's easier to not be hampered down by uh, 30 years plus of continuity and branding and just tell a different AI story. So I think that, you know, somebody somewhere is going to reboot this Terminator franchise, but it's going to have to be, for it to hit, it's like, it, it's not John Connor, it's not Sarah right. Connor, it's got to be something totally, totally different.
1: Yeah. What would it be? Well, it would be interesting to see. I, I'm looking forward to it. If they do figure it out, for sure. Professor I
3: Schwarzenegger. <laughs> They're so cold in the
1: um all right uh, let's move on to another story here uh this is interesting michael i'm gonna go to you first i know you, you um we were talking about this on text here ahead of time but uh marvel studios announced its tv plans for the rest of the year and uh loki has been scheduled for an october 6th launch with weekly episodes rolling out from that date until mid-november um but then echo will be released on november 29th with all the episodes dropping at once now, you just mentioned, uh, Shannon, that Muppet Mayhem dropped all the episodes at once. So, certainly, disney it's not like Disney hasn't done this before. But a lot of people are, are uh, already thinking that this is maybe a bad sign for this show. It centers around Maya Lopez, who is played by Alequa Cox, a deaf Native American superhero who has the talent to imitate any opponent's fighting style. And, of course, this will probably be connected to Daredevil Born Again. Um, and I will say, um, just to give you a little heads up, I spoke with Jeff about this off camera and Jeff told me from the hot mic uh, that apparently Kevin Feige. Oh, no, actually, we said this on the show yesterday on the hot mic that apparently Kevin Feige thought it was unreleasable in the original cut that they had. It was he was like not going to release it and was just going to scrap it and eat the cost. But they did some reshoots. And so um, I think it sounds like they're going to just drop these all at once. It's going to just gonna get past the news cycle and move on and, and add to the lore that they need to add, but then move on. But you hear this, uh, Michael, what are your thoughts? All the episodes
3: dropping at once on the same day. I heard the same thing, not on the hot mic. So I've, I've heard okay, similar from some people. Um, I, 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 even before the announcement of them, um, yeah. releasing all the episodes, I had heard that this one was a little bit troubled. I think that, uh, I think that when Hawkeye came out, uh, echo as a character, just resonated so much was such a great addition uh people really really liked her um, and so I think they maybe rushed the series a bit okay. and maybe didn't get there and so from everything that you're saying as well it does sound like that's probably what happened so unfortunately yeah. you know it's not always true like it's not like you can you know like Netflix releases all the stranger things at once and that's great true. as we just said Muppets mayhem all released at once. It's awesome. Go check it out. So it doesn't automatically mean when you put all the episodes up to so for everybody to binge it that it's bad. In this case, I'm a little bit worried that that is what it means, which also means it's another uh, chip uh, on off the Marvel block. So, you know, again, it's just... It's just raising all the questions that we keep raising, which is: Is Marvel doing too much? Is Kevin Feige spread too thin? Is Phase yeah. Five a little bit more unwieldy? So we will see, um, but doesn't bode well.
2: Okay, uh, Shannon, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, we are still in the throes of everything that went down during Phase Four because you know these projects they take a long time to you know from 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 conception to release. Yeah. Um, so the fact that this one didn't quite turn out—I mean, you imagine when they were shooting this, it could have been—I mean, it would have been last year. Um, yeah, you know, it was before. The, it could have been before we got into the sort of Marvel malaise of multiverse of madness, Thor: Love and Thunder, before before the results started to become apparent. Like, oh, maybe we're not hitting the mark the way that we the way that we had been. Right. Um, the fact that they are releasing all the episodes at once because it's something Marvel's never done. Mm. Um, the fact that it it does seem like they're putting it out there and then quickly, quickly moving past it. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, there have, there had been rumors about problems with certain shows in the past. Like I know we, all three of us had heard that Miss Marvel was going to be a bit of yeah. a mess and yeah, yeah, yeah. it turned out great. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we we had heard. I mean, not Marvel, but we had heard that Wonder Woman was a little bit of a mess. That first one came out; it was great. Right. We heard the second one was a bit of a mess. They were right that time. So yeah. <laughs>
3: ultimately,
2: we just ultimately we just don't know. Um, hopefully, with Loki season two coming out prior to this, that they will be able to shore up some Marvel love, and and definitely it well, seems like people are really responding to Guardians three as well. So yeah. hopefully that. They can rebuild some of that goodwill before before another one comes out and maybe takes away from it.
3: Right. Well, it sounds the- like it seems oh, yeah. like that's the strategy. It seems yeah. like that's the strategy because it sounds like just based on Loki and how far it's going to run through, like Echo is going to come out in the middle of Loki season two. So, no, I think, right, I think right, right at end? So, right right Yeah. At so I end, think yeah. look from everything that I've heard, Secret Invasion is great. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
3: So you're going to have you know Guardian like to your point, Guardians three has the lowest drop-off point in its second weekend box office that Marvel movies have had in a while like it's just smoking the competition because people are actually enjoying it so Guardians 3 kind of gets you a little bit of okay we're all right if Secret Invasion comes out and it's really strong we're like all right this is what I wanted and if Loki season 2 delivers it's sort of they built a little bit of that goodwill back they know that Echo's not going to deliver so they're going to just dump it get through the news cycle we're all going to be disappointed but we're just going to move on to the next thing as quickly as possible. Right, right. Um, okay. Uh, well, let's move on to
1: something else here. Uh, the um, stuff is being removed. This has been announced as well. Uh, we learned. In, they, we learned. We all learned in early May that Disney Plus uh, is going to combine uh, into Hulu and become one single app down the road, and it would be removing. Streaming content from its platform, and this was announced by Disney chief financial officer Christine McCarthy, on an earnings call, and this is a way of saving money for them. They're going to um, take an impairment charge of approximately $1.5 to $1.8 billion to do this, and some of the shows being removed here, according to Deadline, are real interesting. The Willow Show is going to be removed, and the making of Willow Show. We covered Willow here on The Geek Buddies. Uh, Big Shot's being removed. Uh, the World According to Jeff Goldblum is being removed. Dollface, which is the Cat Denning Show, is being removed. The Hot Zone, the Why the Last Man, Maggie, Little Demon, uh, Best in Snow, Best in Doe, The One and Only Ivan, Timmy Failure, uh, Disney Fairytale Weddings, It's a Dog Life, Foodtastic, Earth to Ned magic camp so a lot of these titles love in the time of corona a lot of these titles. i think the president one is being is is gone as well with the kid who played the president so uh (laughs) gentlemen your thoughts when you hear all this uh of all these shows especially willow something they invested so much time and money in to be taking it off i mean i I understand maybe these are all low rated shows but what does this tell you about where we're going in terms of the streaming landscape because it sounds like uh, things are changing and the studios are starting to take more and more control of putting things in theaters rather than on streaming. What are your thoughts?
3: I I don't know that it's taking things and I don't think that we're like flipping back to like, let's put everything in theaters and nothing on streaming. Good. But like when you read that list, uh, Willows is surprising just because they put so much time and effort into right. it. But also, and we reviewed it and I love the original movie. Sure. That sure. show by the end was just. Yeah it was an unholy mess, right? Uh, it had its charms, but it was a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when you read that list, it's kind of what I said last week when we were just talking about them doing it, like, you know, they're not saying, all right, Beauty and the Beast, uh, you know, uh, Little Mermaid and Lion King animated are going off, and we're going to release it later to try and like bring it out of the vault. Like the stuff that they're getting rid of is the stuff that didn't perform so great. Yeah. That doesn't have a huge following. It doesn't have a huge audience. So, you know, that, Netflix when Netflix came out back in the day and I think I said this last week as well but when Netflix came out the Netflix strategy that everyone in streaming tried to emulate was let's let's spend a bunch of money throw as much shit out there as we can yeah. and if 30 percent of it hits huge that makes up for the 70 percent that nobody's really watching and yeah. that strategy doesn't really work anymore so i think you're going to see disney still even one that disney and Hulu combine i think they're still going to invest a good amount of money in original programming we're going to continue to get star wars we're going to yeah. continue to get marvel but we're i think we will still get original disney plus productions. I think they're going to be a bit more careful and choiceful about what those are than they have been thus far. Okay. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, again,
2: not really knowing a ton about the technology. Like if something is not, if something's on your computer and it's not doing you a whole lot of good, you, you, you take it off to make yeah. space for it. Now, in terms of you know, programming, um, that doesn't mean Willow is gone forever. That means that right. it's not on Disney Plus right now. Now that also opens them up to possibly doing like a licensing deal. Like you know, you, you yeah. might be able to license it to another to another streamer,
1: yeah, Netflix or something. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, so it, it's it's kind of a bummer when you look at the people that worked on the show. Yes, yeah. um, that you know you did put all this time, this time effort blood sweat and tears and to have it just vanish that really sucks i mean and this is when as a consumer um you really miss the days of uh uh physical media. yeah um because my guess is they are not going to do a special uh blu-ray release <laughs> of willow the series yeah um so from from the artist standpoint i do understand the disappointment there because it's just like oh man that sucks that you know it's it's you this thing that we work two years on it is it's it's vanished like yeah. it's 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 in the, it's in the wind um but for the things like willow um that doesn't mean we won't see it again at some point sure. the, the thing with jeff goldblum that surprises me but I know, that's, that's cool. another show they could easily license out to someone
1: yeah like yeah we'll see um all right uh, let's uh jump into the last section here let me take a quick three second break and then we're going to jump into the last section of uh roker's rapid fire here right after this <laughs> no, don't, don't worry about it don't worry about it it's just for, i didn't uh,
2: i didn't account yeah. for it <laughs> no,
1: it's just for that thing all right so two big things that were dropped yesterday on the hot mic i gotta give you guys get you guys thoughts on this number one the superman legacy casting certainly the hollywood reporter dropped that uh report back uh, last saturday boris kit did and there was pushback On some of these names, including Nicholas Holt, is he he being seen for Superman? Is he being seen for Lex Luthor? So there's back and forths over that. Rachel Brosnahan is the name that really stood out for a lot of people. But then almost immediately, there was a bit of like, well, she's 32. She'll be 40 by the time there's a third film. So there was pushback on that kind of thing. But then we heard other names like David Cornswit, Jacob Bellardi. There were a number of names that were thrown out uh, here as potential supermen. And Jeff revealed yesterday on the hot mic that James Gunn had gone to Bradley Cooper to pitch Lex Luthor to Bradley Cooper to play Lex Luthor. So those are interesting uh, parts of this. Um, So let's let's discuss that. What do you guys think about this idea? What do you think about the casting so far and what everyone's been talking about? Who do you want to see and where do you see this happening? Uh, And do you like the idea of maybe Bradley Cooper being the star here. So you can get away with casting an unknown or relatively unknown person as Superman. And then you have Rachel Brosnahan as a Lois Lane, or do they want to skew younger? What do you guys think about all the stuff that's going on
2: around it? Like, I mean, Rachel. Rachel Brosnahan to me, like when that name was thrown out there as a possible Lois Lane, it's like, God, do whatever you can to make that happen. Um, I mean, she is, she is so terrific on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel um and i also think that even though what she's she's 32 and mm. david corn who allegedly is you know one of the main guys he's 29 there is a three-year age difference i don't think you want to do that may december romance that didn't really work for cavill and amy adams um but also they play her a little older and more mature on Mrs. Maisel mm-hmm. I mean they play her you know granted you know she's she's the stand-up comedian but yeah. they do play her kind of matronly I mean you you I don't think that age difference would be as apparent yeah. again I don't know a ton about David Cornswet's body of work yeah. um I do know that he's like six four and she's five three um so I think just in terms of visuals I think that would look That would look great. Something I have said has really irked Vogel. So let let, let, (laughs) let, let me, let let me, I'm I'm very curious. I I have have other other stuff to say on Lex Luthor, but I'm very curious.
3: Uh, When did a three-year difference turn into a May-December romance? Like, Have you lived in Hollywood, Mikey? No, 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 but hold on, hold on. Like, this idea that... This actor is 29 and this actress is 32. Oh God, he's dating an old one. Like, that's insane.
2: I agree. I didn't say that, that. I didn't say that was yeah. a May December romance. That's you you, you latched on to, one, to what you wanted to hear and you pounced. No, did I'm you, saying that they, I think they you don't did say May no, December. No, I said romance. they no, I said they don't want a May December romance like they had with Cavill amy adams but even
3: but, but look even but even cavill and amy adams like this is like they're, they're, this is just and i mean and i know you didn't come up with this i know the hollywood reporters reporting it and everybody else is saying it too but <laughs> yeah, yeah this yeah. whole idea like look the problem with amy adams and henry cavill was not that she looked like his grandma like the <laughs> right. they have no chemistry and she's not right Lincoln. for lois lane yeah, like exactly. but as far as them looking like they could be a couple yeah they were totally fine like that wasn't an issue so this whole idea that like oh rachel brosnahan is that those three years are really gonna mess it up just like old lady amy did for the lowest lane in the last one like it is this insanely (laughs) misogynistic sexist thing like rachel brosnahan is hot like she and like and where i do agree with you 100 percent is the second that they said she had a really strong audition. I'm like, fuck yeah, she's perfect for Lois Lane. Yeah. I don't know that I th- I don't know that I could think of another actress in the past decade who is more perfect to play Lois Lane than Rachel Brosnahan. Like she is yeah. the exact right thing that you want. And everything she does every single week on Miss Mazel is like a just like, yeah, you're Lois Lane. Yeah. Um so the fact that the only ding, and again, it's not you saying it. I know that everyone is saying <laughs> it, Hollywood reporter is reporting it. But the fact that it's like, here's this actress that is insanely talented, perfect for the role, but she might be three years older than the dude, so this gets into old lady territory, is yeah. just, the whole thing is insane to me.
2: That's but honest. see, I also think, but there's a difference between physical age and how they come off on camera. Like, again, I don't know Corinne Sweat's body of work. So if yeah. if he comes off very very young and say that she does come off a little older, that does lean into that to me May December romance. So I think if you know if she plays if he plays older, she if they come across around the same age, I think that's what they want.
1: Do you like the other people that they've mentioned for uh, Emma Mackey, uh, Phoebe uh, Dynamber? I don't watch Bridgerton, so Phoebe Dynevor. Uh, and Samara Weaving, which I think is a, is in my opinion, I love Samara. It's a terrible choice for um, uh, Lois Lane. But th- the thing is, James Gunn wanted wants Margot Robbie, but Robbie is doing Harley Quinn, so it'd be weird. So Emma Mackey kind of looks like her. Uh, so does um, uh, uh, Samara Weaving. So that could be the way they go. Do you like any of the other choices besides Rachel Brosnan? I
3: I think there's I think there's solid actresses in there, but I mean, I got to be honest, like like to me and like. Lois Lane is a plus tier comic book character. She's one of my absolute favorites of all time. Like the second that Rachel Brosnahan's name came up, it's like I can't even see anybody else. Right. Like to me, it's like that is the right Lois Lane. So I think there's other very talented actresses, and if James Gunn goes with somebody else, definitely curious to see where he goes with it. Um, but yeah, for me, like she's the pick. Okay, Shannon.
2: Uh, I mean, I do agree. Like, it, it's it's tough to beat Rachel Brosnahan. Emma Mackey, um, from Sex ed- from Sex Education, is terrific. Yes. like she's really, really good. Um, so I could I could see a world where that where that works out as well. Um, you know, she I think was she's in twenty
3: seven. So yeah, I no May oh, December, yeah. right? Vogel? She's- <laughs> I mean, I mean, She's almost. She's almost she's almost over the hill. I, mean, she's gonna, they, I hear if she doesn't get this, they're going to cast her in the Golden Girls reboot. <laughs> Jesus uh. Christ. It's a dirty place, Hollywood, man. It's a dirty place. I do, place. but although to your other point, and I know Shannon has some thoughts on this too, but yeah. I do think casting a Bradley Cooper or a bigger name as your Lex Luthor and going unknown or relatively unknown with your Clark Kent is yeah. the way to go. And look, that's what, uh, is what Brian Singer did with, uh, with Brandon Routh and Kevin Spacey, which again, that movie, not great, but that idea of casting a very big Lex Luthor name uh, and going a bit more unknown. I mean, same with um, Christopher, Richard Donner, and Gene Hackman. Yeah. 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 You know I mean? That, that, that seems to be a good way to go.
1: Yeah. All right.
3: Shannon, do you want to finish your thoughts on this?
2: yeah i mean like as much as i like nicholas holt like do i feel like he could play the menace of of lex Luthor? based yeah. on what i've seen that that doesn't come to mind that's not to say that he couldn't do it but i think if that's the formula the one that vogel mentioned like go for your your bigger name star yeah i don't think nicholas holt is a big enough name i think they do want someone like a bradley cooper like yeah. someone like yeah. like an a-list a-list actor to to fill that role out um I'm trying to imagine what Bradley Cooper would look like uh, bald because yeah. uh, I would not want them to do what they did with Gene Hackman, how he refused to shave his head and they put you, a really bad bald cap on him.
3: I tell you how Bradley Cooper would look bald. Yeah. Hot. Oh, because he's Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Otis Berg.
1: Yeah, maybe. It could be interesting to see uh, what Bradley Cooper. Cooper- would look like bald um here josh gad
2: is otis josh gad is oh otis. my
1: god that's a possibility for sure. i mean <laughs> here you go shannon there you go bradley cooper bald uh i don't know oh, wow
3: look at that i was right he's hot <laughs> how, about, how about receding uh, hair? well that's <laughs> that bradley cooper with a receding hairline is less hot is what there we're discovering go. on this google search <laughs> Well, I think this is a better shot of him.
1: There, there you go. I, I could work. I can see that's him and Vin Diesel switching ears. That's hilarious. Oh, well, anyway, now we're just right.
3: getting into weird internet <laughs> sorry, territory.
1: Man, <laughs> One last story. One last, I know we've been running along a little bit. One last story. So, uh, also revealed uh, yesterday in the hot mics, um, according to Jeff sources, and this is kind of unconfirmed, but it's a source that he trusts very well, uh, very much. Um, Emma Stone has turned down the part of Sue Storm in the MCU. Apparently, Marvel. Uh offered the part to her. She took 72 hours to think about it and go through everything, came back at them with her team, the number that she would want to be paid for the role. And Marvel balked at it. So essentially she passed on it because they weren't going to meet the price or the quote that she was looking at. And according to Jeff, what he's hearing is that Feige wants to keep the cost down. Iger wants to keep the cost down. They only want to spend like maybe 50 million on the cast total. And so if you're looking at Adam Driver, obviously he's going to pay, be paid a little bit less than Emma Stone. Emma Stone's an Oscar winner. Emma Stone has, you know, kind of has a legacy here. Adam is still kind of, you know, he's got the Star Wars stuff, but, you know, not quite at the same level. But then you have to worry about well, who you're going to cast as the thing, who are you can going to cast? Well, So do you guys like this idea? that? Oh, so you guys like the idea that she passed on it? Or are you kind of sad that we're not going to get Emma Stone as Sue Storm? What do you think of this story?
2: I mean, her, her Gwen Stacy was so amazing. Yeah, Um. she was so, so good that and, and it's not that, you know, you can't play one character and go and play another. Um, but her Gwen Stacy, to me, is so kind of untouchable. I think her taking on another especially blonde character. It's like ah that that to me, that's hard for me to wrap my head around. And just in terms of what she brings to the table, because Emma Stone's fantastic to me, she's just not Sue Storm. Um, to me, it's it will always be Jodie Comer until until they put forth another, uh, you know, another option. Um, even like the Margot Robbie is I'm like, nah, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's always going to be Jodie Comer after watching free guy. And, you know, I was not the one who said this, but whoever had said like, you know, she would be a great Sue storm. It's like, Oh my gosh, I cannot get that, get that out of my head. So I think them balking at her, at her price tag probably probably was, was a good thing because again, yeah. she is such a star. I feel like she might, overpower the role at the same time well from what jeff said he's hearing is that they want to make sue storm the focus of the movie not
1: not uh reed richards uh he will be obviously in the movie but she, her her story is this driving force of the movie so they want someone that can be the anchor of the film and emma stone being an oscar winner and having done that with other films is who they were kind of looking at here but i also think michael and we get your thoughts on this too i also think maybe emma priced herself out on purpose like, looked at this whole situation. She's already Cruella. She's already got that possibility, dance because there's a sequel they're working on. Maybe she saw, you know, Scarlett Johansson fighting for a, her what she should have gotten paid. She's seeing Phase 4 being a bit rocky right now, starting out with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Phase 5. People not liking that. And yes, Guardians is doing well for now, but maybe it's still a little unstable to step in. And two other iterations of this Fantastic Four have crashed and burned. At least in in fans' minds, uh, in their attempts to get off the ground, so maybe this is something she didn't want to get snake bit by. But what do you think about it? Would you have liked to have seen her in it? Do you be, do you believe that she turned it down, or do you believe that it was just a money thing? What do you think happened here?
3: Well, I'm curious. Like, what do you think? Because I mean, I'm curious about Shannon's Jodie Comer, which I think would be great. I think she'd be really I good. Agree. She's an amazing actress. But what is what what is Sue Storm? Like what is like who is Sue Storm? Like we all like 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 talking about Ooh. Lois Lane and Rachel Brosnahan. It's like she's you know she's got this brassy in your face. I'm gonna yeah. argue with the big boys' personality, which is very yeah. much Lois Lane. But what is Sue Storm to you? Like
1: you're
2: asking Shannon. All right,
1: Shannon. Yeah, Lois I mean, you or not, you you can weigh in too. Oh, that's like, fine.
3: Yeah, Shannon, go ahead.
2: Not Emma Stone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She's you know she she and Reed are like Marvel's mom and dad and. I just don't get that from her. But Adam Driver gives you the dad vibes? I get more I get more parental vibes from Adam Driver than I do from, from Emma Stone. Yeah.
3: Interesting. Interesting. Um yeah, look, I like I, I think it's a shame because I think Emma Stone is great. I think mm-hmm. saying that her Gwen Stacy was so iconic that she couldn't take on another comic book character is like saying Chris Evans was the perfect Johnny Storm. He shouldn't be Captain America. Like, you know, I think that like just because you were really great in one role, as long as you're not in the same universe, I think if you were really great in a role and you nailed it and made it awesome on screen, then, yeah, you'd be great. And I think I think given like all the range of what Sue Storm can be, particularly if they're making her the focal point of the movie, Emma Stone is probably one of the most charming people on screen that I could yeah, think agreed. of. So, I think she would have been great in the role. I would I would also see Emma Stone do almost any almost anything. Um I I think she I don't know that she priced herself out on purpose. I don't know that okay. she's concerned about the state of Phase 4 and Phase 5, but I do think to your point like she doesn't need Marvel. She's right.
0: huge. Right. She's
3: right. an Oscar-winning actress. She's got the Cruella franchise. She's fine. She can do whatever she wants. And I do yeah. think that taking on a Marvel movie or taking on a Marvel character is an investment. I mean, they didn't go to her and say, we're going to pay you this much to be in one movie. Yeah. They're looking for a Sue Storm that's going to be in two or three fantastic four movies the kang dynasty secret wars we want you to make appearances in these three disney plus shows also you're going to have to get a trainer you're going to yeah. have a grueling physical production you're going to do this like it is a big investment to be a part of the marvel universe yeah and when you're a younger up-and-coming actor and this is going to make your name and you're going to work for years you're great but yeah for Amazon, it's like I don't think that she was like, let me ask you, let me ask for this much money. Hopefully they'll say no. Mm -hmm. I think she and her team were literally like, yeah, we'll consider this, but this is a huge investment. This is how much money she needs because she has so many other opportunities. And they were like, yeah, no, thanks. I don't think so.
1: Okay, Fair point. Yeah. I'm more in the camp of Shannon. I don't know if I see her as Sue Storm. Not that she couldn't play it, obviously. She's a great actress. Uh, but I don't know if I necessarily see her, but I, you know, we'll see. I, I would like to hear more details because we keep hearing that they don't want to go with Emily Blunt and John Krasinski so they want younger ones. So are they going to be the mom and dad of the MCU? And if they are, then why are you going with younger ones? Because everyone around the MCU right now is still... They're still everyone is of age, for God's sake. So let me, I want to find out more about what's going on when they go through with this. So we'll see, we'll see. But there, anyway, there we go. That's the uh, end of the first episode of the Rokas Roundup. Clearly, I want it to be a little bit quicker. So next time I will uh, maybe slim down on the topics, but a lot of fun to hear from these two gentlemen and their points of views on all these things. Because a lot kind of dropped this week that I felt uh, I, you all needed to hear from both Michael and Shannon on for sure. Um, all right, there we go. That's our episode of the Geek Body. Shannon, what do we have to tell them?
2: Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKTune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says.
3: Mikey? Um, Well, if you like Roka's rapid fire roundup and other alliterations, then we are here for you at the Geek Buddies. Uh, And here's what you can do to help us continue doing what we do. You can smash that like button below. As John said, subscribe to his Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content. Leave your comments below. We went over about everything that you can go over today. And we want to hear what you think about all of it. So let us know in the comments. If you're listening to us on a podcast, leave us some stars. Leave us some uh, comments so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies.
1: There you go. Uh, all right. Thank you all so much. You guys are the best. We appreciate it badly. Have yourselves a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand-new episode of the Geek Buddies.
3: <gasps>
1: hey! hey!